Open your Bible, please, today to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians. While you're turning there, I guess I should say a word about where I've been when I just don't show up. So um, I was down in Savannah last week at the Bible Baptist Church, a church I've been very great blessing in my life, helped me when I came here to start this church uh, 52 years ago. And They've been asking me to come for revival. We had scheduled it once. Then we had to cancel it because of the Delta variant this summer. And so I finally got it in, and I was glad to go there. The Lord blessed us. Several people saved. We had really great crowds. They thought we had a good meeting. I didn't have anything to compare it with, so, but I think we did too. And the Lord was, uh, uh, blessed, blessed us in a wonderful way. And I'm, but I'm glad to be back home. There's no place like the Florence Baptist Temple for me. So um, you would expect me to say that, but I, I said it. And uh, I mean it, and I believe it. I've been to a lot of churches through the years. I've preached in about 35 states and 12 or 14 foreign countries. And this is still my favorite spot to go and preach the Word of God. And so... I'm glad to be back with you. Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, we're going to start there. Stand to your feet with me. We're going to read one verse here, then we're going to go to the next book, and we're going to read several places here today. Ephesians, chapter 5, and verse 20. Giving thanks always, that means all the time, doesn't it? For all things, good, bad, and indifferent, but giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to the right to the very next book, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing, meaning don't be full of care for anything. But in everything, in everything, every condition of life, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Then go to the next book, Colossians, the letter to the church at Colossae. And the Apostle Paul says in chapter 4 and verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. And then go to the next book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's a hard one. In everything, in everything, give thanks. Every condition, every state, every circumstance of life, the Bible makes no exceptions. In every state, we're to give thanks. And then it tells us this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. I could go on and read more, but you get the idea. In all of the letters of the Apostle Paul to the churches in the New Testament, there's a consistent theme running through them, and it's the theme of thanksgiving. We are to always be thankful in everything, where we are, everywhere we go. Thanksgiving is a continuous spirit and a state for us. 
And you may be seated today. Now, I read to you from the scripture, there's one more. Do you have your bookmarks that I told you to put in your Bible? And hope you've been bringing it. If not, and if you're a guest today, the bookmark, a copy of it is in your program there in the church bulletin. And number two is consistent here again. It goes clear back to the book of Psalms, number 100 and verse 4. I will enter into his gates, the gates of the temple, the church, if you will. I will come to church. And I will come with an attitude of gratitude, with thanksgiving in my heart. The day was November the 11th, 1620, when the Mayflower, a small vessel, landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts with 102 souls on board. During the harsh winter months ahead, up until the middle of April, people were sick and dying that had come from England on that ship. You're familiar with the story, but we need to remember the story. During February, 17 died of 102, and then 13 more in March. And in all, before the winter was over, 47 of the 102 died, leaving only 55 in the colony. Thirteen of eighteen wives died. Only three families were still intact and, and, uh, in, into the spring. There were seven times as many graves as there were houses in that settlement. Food rationing began in the late winter and early spring as they saw their food sources disappearing too quickly. And finally, they got down to the adult ration per day or per meal was five kernels of corn, so mandated by the governor, William Bradford. The summer came, though, and God blessed them and gave them a bountiful, bountiful crop. It was October of 1621, and they had the first Thanksgiving They made a proclamation. They reached out to the Native American Indians that they had come to know. They came, they killed deer, and they had all kinds of other game, wild turkey and yams and potatoes and beans and corn, and they had a feast. That was the first official Thanksgiving feast, of course. And they celebrated and thanked Almighty God for His blessings that had been upon them in spite of the horrible experience of the past winter. And on that day, as they sat down to that feast, William Bradford ordered that they put five kernels of corn on each plate before they said the blessing and thanked the Lord. And then after they ate, they had a public service in the meeting house thanking God for His blessings upon them at that time. The Spirit of thanksgiving. Even after a horrible, terrible winter with almost half of their people dying, they stopped to thank God. You think you've had a bad year? (laughs) We've gone through COVID, and there's been a lot of heartaches and a lot of problems and a lot of distress, but compared to what these people went through, 
I don't think any of us could even compare ourselves as spirit of thanksgiving. And I look into my Bible then, and every great Bible character expressed thanksgiving. And so I think, first of all, of David. He probably was expressed thanksgiving more than any other Bible character because David, of course, wrote the Psalms, and the Psalms are songs of thanksgiving for the most part. We know he was a grateful man. We think of Moses, who led the children for, of Israel for 40 years. Exodus 14 or 15 is the story of the song of Moses. It's called a song of victory and praise and thanksgiving for their ability to leave Israel and to get out of, the, out of slavery. And then there was Jonah, who prayed after God had spared his life, a great hymn of thanksgiving. There was Daniel, who prayed before he went into the lion's den and thanked the Lord, even as he was facing that ordeal. There was Job, who thanked the Lord, and we're going to talk about him in a few moments and see his spirit of thanksgiving. And there's Paul, who we read four accounts of his expression of thanksgiving. He gave thanks when he had been beaten and was locked in stocks with chains around his wrists and his feet in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises to Almighty God, the Scripture said. So no matter the circumstances, no matter how difficult life was, Paul gave thanks. Once he was on a ship, and there was a great Eurocladon, the name of a hurricane, a great storm. It lasted for 14 days, and that little ship was tossed on those waves in that sea in the Mediterranean. And yet, what do we find Paul doing? Thanking God in the midst of the storm. Our great example, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who over and over in his life, it refers to his prayers and his prayers of thanksgiving. And so the Lord is about to feed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch, and he stops before they begin the proceeding, and he thanks the Lord for the food that they're about to receive. The first example maybe in Scripture for us to say thanks to the Lord before we eat our food. And then we see the Lord thanking, giving thanks before the Lord's Supper. We see him at the tomb of Lazarus. Father, I thank you that you hear me now as I'm about to pray and bring Lazarus back to life. And so I go through my Bible and my conclusion is my Bible is a book of thanksgiving. If you wanted to describe one of the most consistent themes in your Bible today, it would be the theme of thanksgiving. You can hardly go more than a few pages at a time and not think or, or, or be reminded of the need of thanksgiving, of gratitude in our hearts. All the great characters of the Scripture modeled that for us. 401 years later, you and I, I believe, have more to thank God for than did the pilgrims on that day when they were facing all those miserable circumstances. And I want you to search your heart and say, am I really thankful to the Lord? Do I have a spirit of thanksgiving and a spirit of gratitude in my heart? The word thanks, I looked it up and I 
I searched on, the, uh, on Google, where did the word come from, the word thanks? What is its origin? And the word thanks comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word way back centuries ago when our, language was just, our English language was just being formed. And the word thanks originated from the root word for think, T-H-I-N-K. In other words, we could spell thanksgiving, T-H-I-N-K-S-G-I-V-I-N-G, thanksgiving. And the idea is we stop and we think about things, we focus on things, we think of our blessings, and then we give God back thanks after thinking about all that He's done for us. And the importance of thanksgiving is this to me. It requires me to focus on what I do have and not what I don't have. Thanksgiving helps me to focus. And if I don't focus on the blessings of life, then it's the human tendency, or so it seems, to focus on the negative things of life. And so if I'm not thankful, I'm going to find myself grumbling and griping and complaining. And I know that people don't want to be around people who are doing that all the time. And so it helps me. It helps me in my relationship with everybody else if I'm not complaining and and grumbling. If I have a spirit of thanksgiving, I'm not only honoring the Lord with His blessings, I'm helping myself because it it, it helps me in my relationship with everybody else. I like to be around people who are thankful, who are expressing their gratitude to the Lord, don't you? It's a, it's a positive, uplifting experience for me. And so this week, I'm going to focus on being thankful, and I try to do that a lot. As I've gone through life, more and more, I'm aware of how I don't control very much at all about my life. And so when good things happen, I want to thank the Lord. And when bad things happen, I also want to have a spirit. Lord, you've given me so much good. Help me not to complain if I have a little bit of a problem of some type here this week. And this week, I'm going to challenge you to practice a spirit of thanksgiving or number two on our learning to live or to love bookmark here. And first of all, I'm going to be grateful to the Lord Himself, to God. In your Bible, the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 17, and I'm not going to turn there, but you know the verse if you come here regularly. It's a wonderful, wonderful verse, and it's a verse that will guide us to have a spirit of thanksgiving. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Now listen to it. Every good gift, every good gift, everything that's good in my life, and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, that's Almighty God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, the God who never changes, the unchanging God of the universe, everything that I have good comes from His hand. He is the source of all my blessings today. We sing, 
sometimes the doxology, traditional little two-bar course here, and it simply says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, even the heavenly host, the angels, the seraphims, the cherubims, all the celestial beings. Praise God forevermore. The doxology, recognizing that every good and every perfect gift comes down from Almighty God. We sing another, the great hymns of the church, and the hymn is, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the fountain that gives off all the blessings that we have in life. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the, the, the song goes, tune my heart to ever sing thy praise, to never get into that ungrateful spirit where I do not recognize that Almighty God is the source of my blessings. Now, here's a point that I, I don't know how many Christians think about this and understand this, but I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Romans with me, if you will, please. Romans chapter 1. And I've said this through the years, but again, I want you to look with me in the Scripture, and I want you to see it with your own eyes, because it's such an important point. And, and the point is this, ingratitude is a sin. Now, I've been urging you to be thankful, but I also want to say that to be non-thankful, ungrateful, if you will, to be, that, to be in that cast of mind is to, really, is to really sin. And so in Romans chapter 1, this is one of the most important chapters in all the Scripture. It tells us how God created man perfect, put within him a conscience, and then men turned from God to idolatry, and they started going down, 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 down into terrible depravity. Now, I go down to verse 21, and it begins, really, the man's downward course there. And it says in Romans 1 and 21, because that when they knew God, so here they are in fellowship with God, but they glorify Him not as God. They don't recognize Him and His greatness, and neither were they thankful. First step away from God. First step to backsliding, the first sin that men committed moving out from God in their lifestyle, first step was ingratitude. They ceased to thank God to count their blessings. There's an old story of a man who was watching a group of hogs. What do you call hogs? A herd of, I don't know what you call them, a bunch of hogs. There's a bunch of hogs, and they're under a big oak tree in his yard. And somehow they've gotten loose from their restraints, and they're up there, and they're grunting and rooting around, and they're gorging themselves on all those delicious fresh acorns that have fallen on the ground. He's watching them, and then he observes, not one of them ever look up to see where their blessings came from. Unfortunately, that'll happen around a lot of tables in America this Thursday. 
TV will be on. Dallas Cowboys will be playing. And people will sit down. Is it ready? And they serve it up a wonderful repast. I mean a meal fit for a king. And they won't even say a table grace. And they won't even shut the TV off. And nobody will read a Bible verse or thank God for anything. It's like we never look up to see where the blessings come from. How sad. How tragic. I want you to cultivate a spirit of gratitude and of thanksgiving. Don't just say a table grace this Thursday. We've got a little thing we do at our house. We go around and we say to all the kids and grandkids and Norm and I, we, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And we try to take a few minutes and, and cultivate that spirit within us. It's a special day. It's a special day. It's a day to reach down inside our hearts and thank God for His grace, His goodness, His mercy, His blessings. Every good thing we have comes from Him. Number two, it's a day to be thankful to our Creator, but it's also a day to be thankful for our country. It's a day to be thankful for our country. If God is the source of all my blessings, the country is the course of all my blessings. Now, what I mean by that is like the course of a river. You know, we say the river's course where it flows. So if God is the source, my blessings come from the Father above, but they flow down a course. They flow down a riverbed that's provided by the United States of America. I feel the need to say that because, you see, in the last few years, there are certain elements in our society, and they're trashing our country constantly especially some elements of the media. They've turned against the country. Everything bad is exacerbated. Everything good is ignored. And all we hear is this constant drumbeat of how bad, how bad, how bad America is. You would think we had no freedom. You'd think we have no opportunity. You would think that everybody in the country is a racist. You'd think there's no opportunity. If you listen to those sources, I'm not going to listen to them. When I start hearing that, I'm going to plug my ears and close my eyes and turn the channel or the radio dial or turn the page in the magazine, the newspaper. I don't want to hear that. That's not true. That's not true. I know that America has lots of flaws. But I know that down there on that border, millions of people are walking from South America three and 4,000 miles on foot to break into this country. If it's so bad, why does the whole world want to come? And you see, I'm a recipient of those blessings, and don't take those blessings for granted today, ladies and gentlemen. I came here and started a church. 52 years ago, just told you the story week before last. You know what? I never went to the Bureau of Religion to get me a permit to do it, thank God. There wasn't a Bureau of Religion in America. I didn't have to ask anybody. 
And if anybody would ask me, what are you doing? I'd say, I'm here with the permission of that flag out there with the red, white, and blue all over it. That's the only permission I need in America. But I was in Romania, and in Romania they have the Bureau of Religion, and sometimes you even have to submit your sermon to them before you can preach it in a public service. And I hear these people putting the country down, and it, it just it bothers me because, you see, God is the source, but it flows down the riverbed, the course of American freedom and American opportunity that started at that first Thanksgiving in 16 and 20 up there in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Don't forget that about our country today. The land of opportunity. They're telling us now that socialism is a better way to go. No, no. People in socialist countries don't have opportunity. No. Thank God for our source. God gives us every good gift. Thank Him for the course through which it comes. The United States of America with its freedom and its opportunity. And then this year, be thankful for common blessings common blessings. I didn't know what else to call them. By common, I don't mean cheap. By common, I mean the things that occur all the time, so frequently. They're always present, and so if we're not careful, we tend to take them for granted. And stop and think about the blessings that are common to us. Open your Bible back to the book of Job, chapter number 10. Job chapter number 10. Job, by this time, has lost his children. He had 10 of them, and they're all gone. They were, they were killed in a horrible storm. By now, he has lost all of his wealth. It's been destroyed. He was the richest man in the east and so one of the wealthiest individuals, I would think, in the whole world. He's lost that. His wife has turned against him and said, you're crazy for worshiping this God. What good is it doing you? Curse God and die, man. So his relationship with his wife has sure been aborted here. And his health is gone. He's broken out in these boils. He's sitting on the ash heap. He's miserable. It's about the cloudiest, darkest day of Job's life when he writes these words. And down in the middle of chapter number 10 and verse 12, it'll be worth you underscoring this one in your Bible. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit, the common blessings of life. What do you mean, Job? In all of the problems that he has faced, thou hast granted me life. Thou hast granted me life. Isn't it easy to take for granted your life? God has given me life. He's given me a long life. He's given you life, and you're here today. And Job, as miserable as his life was, stopped and acknowledged God is the source of it and gave thanks for it. You and I have lived through COVID. Many didn't. 
We've lost four of our own right here within our own fellowship, but God has blessed up us. Have you stopped to thank Him? Lord, thank you for bringing us through this thing at this, at this point. You've been spared, and so have I. Well, stop and thank God for that, huh? We have a young man, I won't call his name, Craig is his name. I won't call the rest of it, I mean, on television. I try not to personally identify people too closely because I know this goes everywhere. Craig has got COVID, 46 years old, healthy as he could be. He's been on a vent for what? 14, 15 days. People have been praying for him all over. God heard our prayers. He's been in Charleston. He's coming home tomorrow. Thanksgiving. And there's Roddy, another one of our members. And on Thursday, they called me in Savannah and said he's had a major stroke. He's on the way to the hospital in the ambulance. It really looks bad. And thanks be to God for modern medical technology because that good gift came from his hand as well, didn't it? And they took him in and did that new surgery they got where they go up through your veins and pull that clot out of your brain. And he thought he would be in church this morning. He's home already. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> I thank God for your life. It's tenuous. Thank God for your health. I see so many sick people. I live with, around sick people all the time. And some of them are dying, and some of them can't get their breath. And some of them have cancer, and some of them suffering from heart trouble. And, and, and some of them can't even walk up the steps because they can't get enough air to do it. And I think, oh, God, I... I am so blessed. I am so, so blessed. Oh, I could tell you about my aches and pains. Don't you love people who do that? And they go on and on and on rehearsing them, you know. But I don't want to think about my aches and pains. I think about the wonderful health that God has given me, life and health, common blessings. Job said, them favor Thou hast granted me life and favor. What is favor? It's the blessings that God has given you. It's the job. It's the home. It's the car. It's, it's the family. It's the kids. It's the, it's the grandchildren. It's, it's all the good things of life that James refers to, the every good gift and perfect gift. And then he says something I really like. This really grabbed my attention as I studied. And thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. Thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. It's amazing. He says, I'm thankful that God visits men. God visits me. You know, over there in Psalm number 8, it says, What is man that thou visitest him? Well, Job has given us that same thought, that it's an amazing fact that God has come to visit among men. 
And we're getting ready to celebrate that. That's what these decorations are about. Christmas is coming. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, came down to the earth and visited men. And that is the Christian faith. It's the basis of the Christian faith. And then he continues to visit us. He visits us every time he convicts us of a sin. Hey, have you ever thanked the Lord that he convicted you of sin? I mean, what would it be like if nobody was ever convicted by the Holy Spirit of their sin? There wasn't that prompting to, oh, that's wrong. You need to get, move over here and do the right thing. What if we were never convicted? But we are convicted because God visits us in our soul of souls. And most of all, He visits us with salvation, the wonderful gift of His grace. Paul mentioned that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Unspeakable. What's unspeakable mean? It's the idea that Paul is saying, thanks be unto God for His gift that's so wonderful, I can't express it with my words. I can't even verbalize what I feel in my heart. It's so wonderful. Thank God for Jesus coming and dying on the cross, resurrecting from the grave, and giving me today this wonderful gift of salvation. As a little boy, I heard my daddy preach that. And I was convicted in my heart even as a little child. And I thought... I love Jesus. I want to be on his side. I identify with his cause. And I received Jesus Christ as best I could understand it as a little boy. And I can tell you one thing, I've never regretted one day of it. And I'm as thankful right now as I could possibly be because were it not for the gift of salvation, I don't know where I'd be, or I don't know what I'd be doing. I don't know where my family would be or what what would have happened in their lives. Thanks be to God for that unspeakable gift, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a preacher in England, a very famous preacher, and he worded what I'm trying to say so well. His name was George Herbert, lived a couple of hundred years ago. Listen to what he said in his prayer. O Lord, you have given me so much. Give me one more thing. Give me a grateful heart. Lord, you've given me so much. Give me one more thing. Give me a grateful heart, the spirit of thanksgiving. Will you stand to your feet with me?